This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, by golly. We're in the Melton Law Studio. Melton Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators and their full-service legal office. Don't forget that. And we're protected by crime prevention, 24-7, 365, locally owned. Best way to be protected is to be protected locally. And, of course, sponsored by all the great sponsors you see coming across your screen as we go through the show. Patronize them, they patronize us. Scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. You know how that works. And, of course, uh, today is Thursday, racing through the month of June, I guess. We had a pretty interesting conversation yesterday with Ted Yoho, who was on the road and nevertheless checked in. And we'll continue some of those themes today because they are not going to go away. They're only going to become a little more impactful, if you will. Um, Locally, those of you who... Donate to the show, and you know who you are. This is what happens when you donate because we're able to do things that we, a lot of people would consider to be extracurricular, extracurricular activities above and beyond. And primarily what it's been, although not solely, is uh, the investigations ongoing into Voter B, which, you know, the common thread, the acceptable narrative is no voter B. And yet, without much of a budget, we got our own investigator, instigator, Mark Glazer, making not only local news, but statewide news and national news about what he discovers. Practically under everybody else's nose, they could have discovered it also. But they don't go above and beyond. I was talking to a a businessman yesterday about this. It's almost symptomatic of our society. You really have a lot of trouble finding people who will go above and beyond anything that is even a little bit outside, quote-unquote, their job description or, quote-unquote, what's expected, they don't do. Or if they do do, they only do if they're paid to do. It's kind of a union mentality, this businessman told me. It's just a union mentality. And everybody who owns a business 
knows it doesn't work that way. Um, there's so much sweat equity. You don't even think about a time clock. And something like a professor does, yours truly, <clears throat> your mind is never turned off, hopefully. I remember one time somebody complained that they drove by a professor's yard and saw him mowing the lawn when he should have been, you know, reading books or whatever. The professor's mind, if the professor was a good one, don't make any case for that, but generally a professor's mind is a professor's mind. It's never shut off. Consequently, he's never at work because he's never punching in and punching out. All the time that I was teaching or researching or learning, I never thought it was a job that I punched into and punched out of. It was just one stream of consciousness. Continuous thinking and application and revision. Even this show is set up that way. You know, this program is set up to be a classroom. And just because we stop at 10 or start at 9, doesn't mean I start at 9 or stop at 10. It's just that you get to share, fortunately or unfortunately, the froth of my thinking, if you will. And you're more than welcome to criticize it, to refute it, or modify it to your own need. That's the whole idea. But why couldn't other people who are paid to do this discover this voter irregularity? You know, I'm sort of struck by an event that's changed. I'm going to say, what in the world is that? What has changed voting? You know, it's a sacrosanct thing. You can't tamper with it. You're supposed to be able to vote if you make a breath on a mirror. But there is an interesting phenomenon that occurred. And I'm sure that when it occurred, nobody had ever thought about the significance of it occurring. Or what might come of it. But here in Alachua County, Kim Barton went to a precinct, which was a church. And lots of churches have been used as precincts. And she's carrying, toting something to the church, which is the precinct, and trips on a nail in a carpet or something like that, injures herself, unfortunately. 
and sues the church. Whoa. Churches don't carry that type of safeguard typically. They were caught totally by surprise. You're a state, you're an elected official. We let you use the church as a voting precinct. And you have an accident here and sue us. Whoa, now. And this sent a shockwave through the churches in this community who appeared, as I understand it, before the county commission and said, look, if you're going to set up our churches as precincts, You need, county to be the ones sued, not us. You put the precinct there. Interesting, interesting. Yours truly. This is an example of what I mean when the professor's mowing the yard. I've been pondering this. Doesn't it affect voting? The sacrosanct, broad, free. And yes, this is the same Kim Barton who went into the jail during COVID, not once, but several times, as I understand it, calling it community outreach through T.J. Pichet, Backed by Zuckerbucks to the tune of $700,000 to expand and grab every vote. Had she fallen in the jug, would she have sued the county? What if somebody in the jug had pummeled T.J. Pichet? Not unimaginable. What a wrinkle to voting integrity this is. Isn't it something? And it's a very good lesson in life. You think you've thought of everything. No, you haven't thought of everything. You try to anticipate and you try to think of everything. This is not everything you could think of. Who would have thunk it? So, good morning, Larry. So, on top of that, suing the church, the Gainesville Sun set has written 
about our investigations. And that's quite a, I don't know if you really thought about this, but it's quite an accomplishment to get the Gainesville sunset to take up a story they didn't initiate, that they were caught flat-footed about. They did not investigate voter beep. But the story reached such a crescendo that they needed to cover it, and they have covered this voter beep because they're now reporting that the ninth person to receive a sentence out of the 10 charged with felony election-related crimes following a voter drive held at the jail by the Alachua County Supervisor of Elections Office, one Christopher Wiggins, which we reported on yesterday. He's a person of interest in a missing person case in Archer, which the Alachua County Sheriff's Office, of course, has declined to comment on. But here in the Gainesville Sunset article is this paragraph. The investigation into voter fraud in Alachua County stemmed from a series of complaints filed by Gainesville database researcher and programmer Mark Glazier, who says he found thousands of people across the state who registered or voted illegally. In Alachua County alone, Glazier identified about 100 people, many of whom were incarcerated at the time, who he believes, that should have been an objective case pronoun, whom he believes, whom he believes, I've corrected the writer here, used to do it all the time in class, whom he believes voted illegally. And the Sunset has written about the lone holdout, whom we covered yesterday, and, of course, Alachua Chronicle is covered. Kelvin Bolton is the last inmate awaiting a sentence. And he has a liar from Orlando, Roger L. Whedon. And he has filed a felony motion for entrapment. Now, that's big deal now. First, for this inmate to go get a lawyer. Secondly, to get a lawyer from out of town and make the argument it's going to be quite interesting, is it not? That you entrap me. Now the counter argument is going to be you should have known the law. When you break the law, that's always the counter argument. Well, you shouldn't have run stop sign. You know stop means stop. So that is covered in this article. I want to give an applause to those of you who helped finance this investigation. And I want to give, of course, applause to the investigator instigator, Mark Glazier, 
and uh, give you something to think about with the church and the precinct. And turning around and suing the church. And you know, these churches, not all of them are up to snuff with their carpet on the floor and their anything. Those things happen. But it's not a member of their congregation suing them. It's really an invited guest. Locally, I've been asked about the ASO shooting, which I'm assuming you know about. And this is a classic case of what we call, and those of you in law enforcement know this term very, very well, suicide by cop. It's well known that if you point a gun at a cop, the cop's going to shoot you. If you're a bad guy or a mentally upset, it doesn't matter. This goes all the way back to teachings of fathers to sons. My father always taught us never draw a gun unless you intend to use it. And then you'd better use it or the bad guy will take it away from you and use it on you. So everybody knows this. At least once upon a time, I thought this was a basic understanding of firearms. And this gentleman knew this, who was committing suicide by cop. When he didn't comply, and the deputies knew he had a shotgun, he knew they knew, and he gets out and points it at him anyway. Well, I was surprised that the person with whom I was sharing this rather standard understanding didn't had never heard of the term suicide by cop. So that procedure will be investigated by FDLE. Uh, Marciac will protect those guys, and um, you know you'll you'll um, go right about your about your business. It's unfortunate. Depression is a very, very difficult thing to deal with. Not just as someone who has it, who may not even know he or she has it, but by someone who is watching someone with it and just simply can't do anything about it. And that takes me to, of course, Daniel Penny the former Marine who has now been charged, indicted in the chokehold death. 
And probably you know the story. We've got a mentally troubled person bothering people on the subway, frightening them, threatening to kill himself, kill them. And nobody will act. So Penny acts to restrain the first person until the train could stop. And as he explains it, he was protecting people of color. It didn't matter to him what color the people were. And people of color were helping him. Yet, he's been charged as a criminal. And the New York law that's going to be under scrutiny, and who knows how this is going to come out. The New York law allows for Daniel Penny, or anyone else for that matter, the use of reasonable physical force, reasonable physical force, if a person believes they have a justifiable need to defend themselves from someone else. That is going to be the crux of the matter. And it's going to depend on a New York jury. The only thing I can tell you about New York City is what I've told you already. Back in the college days, I had a good friend who lived in Westchester. Nice place, of course, Westchester Country Club and all. Outside of New York City, his father was an executive in a business in New York City. Went into the city every day. When my friend and I got ready to go into the city, his father told us one thing. Don't get involved. When you go into New York City, you're subject to see anything going on publicly up to murder. Happened the other day in a crosswalk. Guy stabbed another guy. Don't get involved. My friend's father obviously never had an opportunity to advise Daniel Penny. Now, I think my friend's father was talking about maybe the public sidewalk. You could walk around or walk to the other side of the street. But what do you do if you're on the caboose there and the crazy guy is running 
amok, scot-free. So what we have now is a time when the victim has more rights than the innocent. And if the innocent addresses, this case, the victim is, of course, complicated by black and white. Then he whom you would think would be the victim is the actual hero, not Daniel Payne. This really got started big time, did it not, with George Floyd? Big time. As I suggested to you one time when I was telling you my aversion to all that was that George Floyd ripped off a member of his own race. A young lad who had to make up the bad counterfeit $20 bill which he had accepted unwittingly from Floyd. And when the shop owner asked the cashier to go out and make good the deal or would come out of his pocket, the cashier's pocket, Floyd's crowd tore up the $20 bill, threw it on the ground and told him hit the road. That's black on black crime. That is black-on-black crime. Did you hear me? That's what started it. That is what started it. It didn't. Have you ever heard that? That's what irked me. Come on, man, give the kid a good $20 bill or give the, give the product back that you paid for with a bogus $20 bill. Come on, man. Your people, your community. He's a young black guy who looked up to you, thought you were some kind of big hero jock. Why you do it? Isn't that weird? So now we got Daniel Penny. It ain't going to end. Not as long as you keep playing that narrative. It's only going to get worse. And more innocent people caught up in this stuff. The GRU bill is about to be signed. I mean, it's on the governor's desk. There's all this scrambling going on in Gainesville. From the homeless and the hungry center. To try to figure out how to pay for everything. And meanwhile, one of the things, of course, is going to happen is the taxes are going to go up. 
And the other thing that's happening they don't talk about is the footprint of the University of Florida keeps getting bigger and bigger and encroaching into the city and taxes being lost because the university doesn't pay taxes. Have you driven around lately? Try to drive on, on University Avenue from 441 to the football stadium. You can't do it. It's turned into an extension of the University of Florida campus. I tried the last few days when I was in town. You better watch yourself. The kid's coming off a skateboard off the curb. He's got his earphones in his ears, and he's looking at his cell phone. And crossing the road. I don't not at a crosswalk. Try it. Try driving. Either direction, it doesn't matter. From the intersection of University and 441 down to the football stadium. Try it. So you tell me, where's the pound of flesh going to come from when the governor pulls the string on GRU? When it come out, I think the citizen's pocket. Right back on the Ward Scott Files, and we'll do Ward's weather. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, 
Thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Ward's Weather Report brought to you by Lewis Oil. Fossil fuel, Chevron stations, use them by golly. Patronize Lewis Oil. And they fill up that doggone internal combustion engine and have a good time driving wherever you can. Just don't try to drive down University Avenue between 441 and the, and the stadium. Uh, it's really an extension now of the uh, of the University of Florida, really. It actually is. All that area. Well, <clears throat> We had a great rain here last night at the uh, command center. We had an inch of the rain gauge, and I'm looking at the radar, and I'm thinking of Ted, who was driving yesterday up into his uh, north of Atlanta, and I'm thinking of Ken Hillier, who is in Atlanta right now as we speak, and uh, right down around Macon and that area right now, Montgomery, Alabama, you've got some really heavy cells. And to some extent, I think that's going to drift to the south. I can't tell you exactly, but in uh, certainly through the Macon area, Albany, uh, north of Dothan, Alabama, uh, you're, you're going to have some heavy-duty rain. So we'll see. It's uh, it's turning up. It's uh, rain clouds here in the next few days. So govern yourself accordingly. Back to our story, I just wanted to round out one statistic for you with the Daniel Penny story. <clears throat> you know, it happens in New York, all right? Well, New York Post <clears throat> New York Post has published some stats on uh, and some data on what's going on with the New York City Police Department. And um, New York City police officers reportedly have endured 32% more injuries so far in 2023 than it did in 2022. Um, from January 1st to March 31st, citywide, 1,251 on- and off-duty cops were hurt by people using physical force against them in New York City. That was compared to 949 at the same time last year. Um, 1,179 of these were recorded as minor However, about 50 were deemed substantial and required the cop to go to the hospital. Uh, and, and 25 more were considered serious enough to be admitted into the hospital. So the uh, recruitment and morale of the cops in New York City, and it's generally all over uh, the country, officers retiring and leaving at record pace, um, that's where you are. That's the problem you're in right now. And... Um, the, the pace of crime is plaguing the nation. 
And we've got Democrat pro-criminal stances going on here. Uh, so uh, there you are. We have got an issue. And um, it's not going to diminish until we can get some sense in the heads of people. But this thing with um, um, the subway incident certainly doesn't appear to have helped much at all. Um, along with that story, there's <clears throat> a story I want to get into a little bit here that I've titled today's show, uh, The Asian American. And the reason I've done this, <clears throat> and I'm going to talk about something I, I've been thinking about as I mow the lawn. Here in Florida, there's an Asian American teenager who has challenged affirmative action. And you know what affirmative action is. He says it's become a policy of racial discrimination, racist discrimination. This guy's name is John Wang. He got a 1590, according to, uh, to, to the Daily Mail covering this, he got a 1590 on his SAT and a 4.65 high school grade point average. But he was rejected by six top schools. <clears throat> right now, he is one of the plaintiffs in a Supreme Court case seeking to end the practice affirmative action over claims that unfairly discriminates against high-performing Asian Americans. Now, the Supreme Court said it will take up the lawsuits from an anti-affirmative action group, students, students for fair admission, claiming that Harvard University, a private institution, and the University of North Carolina, a state school, discriminate against Asian American applicants. <clears throat> the suit claims that affirmative action policies meant to favor members of historically disadvantaged groups gives an edge <clears throat> to African Americans, Hispanics, and Native Americans over Asian students. Now, I think it's unfortunate, by the way, let me put an editorial comment here, that there's any adjective in front of student other than excellent, average. I don't know why you have to tag it with nationalities or so-called nationalities. African-American is not a nationality. So Wang is taking this on. His parents are immigrants from China. And he says he was afraid he'd get backlash for doing this. Well, why wouldn't he? I mean, he's accusing the blacks of being racist through the use of the complicit white liberal affirmative action policy. <clears throat> <clears throat> he might wind up like Daniel Penny.
And he's afraid of backlash. People on that subway were afraid to get up. So Wang says he gave these test scores, these colleges, and they told him he had a 20% chance of getting accepted to Harvard as an Asian American, but a 95% chance as an African American. So the Supreme Court is going to say, we need to hear that. And I will assure you that the Supreme Court will be called racist if they decide it's time we threw affirmative action out. It did what it was supposed to do. We need to move on, which is what should be done. A lot of people firmly believe that. The accusation is Harvard is engaging in something called racial balancing that unfairly limits the number of Asian American students admitted, citing an alleged increase in applications from that group You know, I've told you the story about our help labs at the college. We couldn't keep the Asians out and we couldn't get the blacks to come. And it was free. See, I don't understand something. <clears throat> Somebody help me with this. If you were a culture, that the studies and the data show was doing poorly in school, couldn't read, couldn't write. But there was a culture that was doing well in school. Why wouldn't you modify your failing culture to be more like that successful culture? I mean, that's the issue, really. Why should the United States of America subsidize inferior quality? We do it all sorts of ways. You know, through all sorts of programs. But when it comes to education, why wouldn't the leaders of the African-American culture Say, you know what? We need to be more like those guys over there. Why not? Remember the story I told you about my student who was black, who did the research on how many times a dollar bill went around a black community compared to an Asian community? The dollar bill never went around the black community. It left it. The Asian community went around five times. One guy did the laundry, another guy cooked the meal. Everybody prospered. Everybody pulled together. That's a community. George Floyd, the kid, is ripped off by somebody from his own community, his own culture. 
rips him off. Tells him to go pack sand. I don't get that. I don't understand it. But the argument they're going to make, and I, I think it's the Asian Americans, uh, I mean, the African Americans are going to make. And I think it's dead wrong is to claim that the advocacy by the Asian Americans violates the Civil Rights Act of 1964. A 2013 internal report at Harvard, Harvard, found that if the school weighed applicants on academics alone, 43% of the admitted class will be Asian American. But in reality, it was only 19% Asian American. But nevertheless, it denied any discrimination. And that they were tipping the scales in favor of the underrepresented students. going to be interesting it's going to be very interesting Harvard's race conscious admissions program according to one of the circuit judges ensures that Harvard can retain the benefits of are you ready for this diversity Diversity means, does it not in this context? The exact opposite. It's not diverse. The thinking is that if the Supreme Court strikes down affirmative action in private universities, Uh, then the private university is going to become like country clubs. Well, why don't you, I'm going back to the basis. Why don't you imitate the successful? Why do you wait to be supported as the unsuccessful? I don't get it. I simply don't get it. But this is one of those sacrosanct programs. That is is beyond reproach. When it's doing more harm than it is good. You know, this Republican Texas governor, Greg Abbott, understands it. He just signed a piece of legislation in the law Wednesday banning, are you ready for this? Banning diversity, equity, and inclusion offices and initiatives at higher education institutions in the state of Texas. 
Under this bill, state-funded universities must close their DEI offices and can no longer hold activities which promote one group of individuals over the other on the basis of race, gender, or ethnicity. This was approved by both the State House and State Senate before the governor signed it into law. This law also prohibits higher education institutions from considering diversity statements from job applicants and bans mandatory DEI training for staff, which we have at the University of Florida, or did have. And we covered that, and it's posted on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. Mandatory sensitivity training to systemic racism at a university of Florida. Of course, the Democrats are squawking. And that's because the Democrats need the black folk to be under their influence in order to take them for granted. I wish I wish the Sharptons and those race bait hustlers would catch on to this. SB 18 bans universities from giving any employees tenure. All trust have been lost in the educational, higher education because of this. It's kind of incredible. Think about it. Yet DeSantis is going to be cast, and already is by the media, as a racist. Pencil neck. Do you know who pencil neck is? When Rush Limbaugh was alive, God rest his soul, he called Adam Schiff pencil neck. He hated him. The guy's a pathological liar. It's documented all through congressional records. And yet, incredibly, when the the House tried to censor pencil neck, Now, Pencilneck was the former Democratic chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, and he led the prosecution in Trump's first impeachment trial. He has made up evidence, whether there isn't any, 
and the House rejected an effort to censor him. And this is the kicker. And this, I talked to Ted Yoho this morning about this. He just is livid about it. The House helped the Democrats keep pencil neck from being censored. Because more than 20 Republicans voted with the Democrats to stop the censor resolution. This resolution was addressing shifts positions of power during Trump's presidency when he abused the trust by saying there was evidence of collusion between Trump's campaign and Russia. He repeatedly, and we know this, it's documented, hold falsehoods. He purposely deceived Congress and the American people the special counsel Mueller golly what a drip dry paint that was led a two year Justice Department investigation and he determined that Russia intervened on the campaign's behalf and that Trump's campaign welcomed the help but Mueller's team did not find the campaign conspired in any such way, totally contradicted. Shift. All the things that Shift had been saying, Mueller couldn't find. The guy is still in the game. With the help of 20 Republicans, who would not vote to hold this guy accountable? The resolution had stated that the American taxpayer paid $32 million to fund the special counsel into Trump and his campaign based on shifts, lies, misrepresentations, and abuses of sensitive information. The resolution also had called for Schiff to be fined $16 million if the Committee on Ethics found that Schiff lied, made misrepresentations, and abused sensitive information. Meanwhile, Kevin McCarthy has removed Pencilneck from the House Intelligence Committee or his role in pushing the Russian collusion hoax. Wow. And 20 Republicans, 20 Republicans kept that from happening. 
Anybody got an explanation for that? I'm kind of looking around. There they are. I guess somebody put the picture up. Michael Lucas. Plantation Mark said, who were the 20? I think that'd be it. Post it out in the chat line. <clears throat> Taking a look. Mind-boggling. How in the world do you expect to win the presidency? This is the, this is the problem. This is a big problem. I'm telling you now. It's a big problem. Well, have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully, if the Lord's willing, the creeks don't rise. It looks like we're going to get a little more rain here uh, outside the uh, command center. Sooner or later, we'll welcome that. And we appreciate you tuning in, all the supporters and uh, people who uh, uh, sponsor us. Uh, patronize them on the spot. That's a place to get your clothes cleaned. And um, Style Cuts is a place to get your ears set out, as my father used to call it, or policed up, as he used to call it. Go get yourself policed up. Policed up meant in his book that you were ready for a mugshot. And if you ever had one, don't come home, he said. He was going to tell the cops to keep you in there forever. It's kind of a father we had. Huh? Huh? I look around at some of these stories where, you know, a female has four kids. I keep waiting for the father to step up and comment. They never do. They're not there. You really don't even know if the four kids were from the same same guy. It's kind of amazing. Press makes nothing of it. There's something there. There's something there when you hear, when that's not mentioned. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.